The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. 8474. It's my, my pleasure this morning to introduce our chapel speaker, the Reverend uh, Robin Lee, is currently the executive pastor at New Life Presbyterian Church here in Escondido, California, a position he has held since November of last year, so almost one year, and he still has his job, so that's good news. <clears throat> Prior to that, he was the associate pastor at the King's Church, a PCA congregation in Long Beach. I think it was for about 10 years. Prior to that, uh, he was finishing seminary. Uh, He started in Westminster, Philadelphia, but finished his MDiv degree here at Westminster Seminary, California, which I think he's grateful for. And uh, prior to that, he also worked in the marketplace for about a decade uh, in various uh, capacities. And so we're delighted uh, to have Pastor Robin here and give our word this morning. Thank you. Hey, guys. Well, it is an honor for me to be here with all of you. Um, it's been a long time since I actually have been a part of chapel. It may have been about 12 years ago, so it is good to be back. Uh, would you turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 5? And before I read the passage, let me first set this up. This morning, uh, what I want to do is talk to you about friendship. Obviously, this is an important topic for everyone, whether you're married or single, whether you're a mom or dad or a son or daughter, this is incredibly relevant. Now, my family relocated to San Diego from Irvine about a a month ago after having lived in Irvine for about 12 years. And the home that we lived in and the neighborhood that my four kids grew up in and the church that we attended for 12 years was the only home, the only neighborhood, the only church that my kids have ever known. And so as we're considering the move to San Diego a year ago, do you know what we were most concerned about? Friendship. How in the world was my 17-year-old daughter going to make friends as she transitions into a new school as an entering senior? What kind of a dad am I? And how would my 15-year-old introverted son be able to have the kind of friendships here in San Diego that he developed slowly over time? Because for him, it took a lot of time. And for all of you in this room that are preparing for and transitioning into full-time ministry, the thing that I get most concerned about is whether or not Yoli Westminster knowing and believing how important good friendship is, how critical good friendship will be not only to the longevity of your ministry, but to your own personal joy and health. I've been in pastoral ministry for almost 15 years now, and as most of you already know, and as you can imagine, ministry has unique challenges. Pastors and pastors' wives struggle with certain types of pressure and expectations and temptations that they just feel like they can't share openly with others. We regularly hear about pastors who are getting burned out, people who are committing moral failure, and even recently, people are committing suicide. And there are a lot of factors. This is very complex, but I'm convinced that one of the key reasons why that this is happening is that pastors don't know how to have good friends. 
Either we don't know how to develop good friendships or we just don't think it's that important and we feel like we're being selfish if we make the time to pursue good friendships or we're just afraid to let people know and people into our lives and see how messed up we really are. So this morning, I want us to look at this friendship between David and Jonathan. This friendship is one of the most detailed and beautiful stories of friendship we have in the entire Bible. It starts in chapter 18 and runs all the way through chapter 23. And the context of today's passage is this. The Israelites are in battle with the Philistines for weeks. Goliath, this big uncircumcised giant, has been taunting the Israelite soldiers, mocking their king, and making an absolute fool of their God. And the Israelites did nothing about it. Until David, a young shepherd, arrives at the scene, hears the mockery, stands up against this Philistine, and kills him with a slingshot. The Israelites can't believe what just took place. King Saul needs to know who this young man is. Chapter 17 closes with King Saul asking David, who in the world was that? Whose son are you, young man? To which David replies, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. I'm going to start reading from chapter 18. I'll read verses 1 through 5. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. So what exactly made the friendship between Jonathan and David so special and what can we learn? Now, three things I want to highlight from the passage, but I'll have to speak very briefly on each topic because of time. Now, the first thing we learn is that they had a common passion. David has just returned from battle. We're told that he is literally holding Goliath's head when he is talking to Saul. Adrenaline's pumping. The reality of what just took place is starting to settle in when he responds to King Saul's question. And it's there at this point as Jonathan, the son of King Saul, is witnessing all of this unfold that we're told that the son, that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. But why? Why here? Why now? Because what Jonathan just witnessed David do in standing up against Jonathan and defeating this enemy represented everything that Jonathan is and wants to be. Here's what I mean. In 1 Samuel 14, just three chapters earlier, there's something very similar taking place in that chapter that's taking place here in chapter 17 between, between David and Goliath. In chapter 14, the Israelites are again at war with the Philistines, but in this situation, they're outnumbered, and they're at a severe disadvantage because we're told that they don't have weapons, and they're terrified. The soldiers are so terrified that they're hiding themselves in pits and caves so that they can escape death. It starts to grind on Jonathan. Jonathan's annoyed. He's embarrassed, so he can't stand this anymore. So he takes his armor bearer, and the two of them secretly leave their camp and go to where the Philistines are. And that evening, we're told that Jonathan and his armor bearer kill 20 Philistine soldiers between the two of them. It's an incredible demonstration of courage and faith by Jonathan, which catalyzes the rest of the soldiers, the rest of the Israelite soldiers, to come out of hiding to join the fight, which leads to an epic victory over the Philistines. And it's one of the most understated victories in, Israel, in Israel's long history 
of war with the Philistines, and it all begins with Jonathan. You see, that's who Jonathan was. He was a soldier, he was fearless, and he would do anything to defend Israel. But more importantly, Jonathan was a man of great faith. And in order to defend the honor and the reputation of the Lord, he was willing to put himself in impossible situations where only the unmistakable presence and power of the Lord would guarantee deliverance. And so when we get to this next battle scene in chapter 17 with the Philistines taunting Israel and the Israelites Israelites shrinking back in fear once again for Jonathan, it's deja vu. But then seemingly out of nowhere, young David emerges out of the Israeli camp with nothing more than a sling and some rocks. And as he runs towards the Philistines, he's yelling at Goliath, and here's what he says. You come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Ah! Can you imagine what Jonathan must have been thinking, what Jonathan must have been feeling? Who is that stud? Because what David believes about God, what David declares about God, and what David does to defend the honor of God is everything that Jonathan believes about God. It's everything that Jonathan himself has declared. It's everything Jonathan himself would be willing to do. Like Jonathan, David is willing to put himself in an impossible situation where only the unmistakable presence and power of the Lord would guarantee deliverance. Jonathan sees himself in David, which is why we're told that the soul of Nathan, the soul of Jonathan is knit to the soul of David. Common passion. This is a special thing. To have a friend who believes in the things that you believe in, loves the things that you love, and is willing to put himself in impossible situations that nobody else would other than himself. That's someone who shares your soul. The second thing we see in this friendship between Jonathan and David is vulnerability and transparency. The Hebrew word for soul in our passage is nefesh, and that word refers to the inner being of a man. One commentator makes the argument that this word soul can be seen as a metaphor for transparency, meaning there is a level of transparency, a level of knowing and being known between Jonathan and David that is so profoundly honest and deep and wonderfully accepting that it's as if their souls were knit together. Many of us could never imagine Describing our friendship with another guy or with another person with such intimate language, you know, partially because it's just weird, but mostly because the thought of letting another person know us that well is terrifying. It's hard as a pastor to talk openly about the financial pressure and stress you experience constantly, the accumulating debt, living month to month, the conflict that it creates in the home, the embarrassment when your credit, when your debit card is declined at Rouse. Who do you share with about your massive problem with lust, the constant lure of pornography? What would your elder think of you? What would your senior pastor think of you, you pervert? Is that what you think? 
How do you begin to open up about your deep insecurities with preaching, your need for constant approval, the unhealthy highs and lows that you experience week to week and your own spiritual malnourishment as you struggle to make time personally in the word and in prayer? To be so vulnerable that you would invite another person into the deepest pockets of your soul to know you fully, to open up to them the things you rather hide, your weaknesses and fears and insecurities is absolutely terrifying because you're afraid that they won't like what they find when they get there. I love what Tim Keller says about this. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. As a husband, after being married for 18 years, I still struggle to be vulnerable with my wife. Vulnerability takes many shapes in marriage, as many of you know. As many of you know, to be vulnerable with my wife means saying I'm sorry after a fight, focusing on my sins, how I was mean-spirited and unkind instead of focusing on the things that she did to aggravate me. To be vulnerable means sharing with her things about my family that I don't want her to know about because I'm afraid she might use it against me the next time we're in an argument. I don't want her to know certain things about my family. It's safer that way. Positively, to be vulnerable means expressing and sharing my wildest dreams and hopes of what God might do through us in ministry. To imagine hundreds and even thousands of people coming to faith and growing as committed disciples of the only worthy one. One life to live. YOLO. Can I share that freely or am I afraid that she'll think I'm being ambitious, that it's all really about me, just trying to make my own name great? An interesting quote from Frederick Nietzsche. It is not a lack of love, but a lack of friendship that makes unhappy marriages. The knitting of the soul and deep friendship takes place as you and your spouse, as you and your friend are courageously vulnerable and wildly accepting, willing to be fully known and being fully loved. You've heard it before, ministry is a lonely place, but it doesn't have to be. The third thing we see in the friendship between Jonathan and David is commitment. As Jonathan witnesses David defeating Goliath and defending God's honor, there's an immediate bond and kindred spiritedness that Jonathan feels with David. This is so intense that Jonathan is compelled to demonstrate visibly what he feels internally. And so he takes off his robe and his armor and his sword and his bow and his belt, and he places all of these things one by one on David. Now, every year, my family goes up to San Francisco. It's only the greatest city in this country. And every time we go up there, we stay with our very good friends, Sang and Kimmy. That's their name, Sang and Kimmy, and I've, and I've known them since college. And a few years ago, we're sitting on their couch and just, having, and just relaxing. And it just, as I was sitting there, I was just so comfortable, and I was just thinking how thankful I am for, for, these, for these friends. You know, they're constantly hospitable. They invite us into their homes. They schedule their vacations around us. They, they feed us but, and they invite us in. But more than that, they invite us into their marriage and into their family and into their parenting. 
and to the pain of losing your parents and to the struggles of, of health. And all of these thoughts were running through my mind, and I was just internally thanking God for, for this friendship. And as I was contemplating this, Kimmy, the wife, she just was looking at my shirt, and she says, and she just kind of casually says over to her, to her husband, she says, saying, you should get a shirt like Robin. You know, your shirts are all kind of loose and from college, and they don't really fit well, but his is more fitted, and it just looks better. And saying goes, you know, that's really weird you say that, because I was just looking at his shirt. Also, I'm like, hey, hey, you know? He says, I was just looking at his shirt, and I was thinking the same thing. I should get a shirt like Robin. That's all I needed to hear. I, I, I'm not what prompted me. I went into the room. I took off my shirt, put on a different shirt, came back, and I said, hey, saying, it's yours. And he was like, uh, <laughs> okay. And just on the spot, he, he put it on. And because we have the same body frame, it, it fit. I've never done that before. I wasn't trying to reenact today's passage in some modern way. <laughs> This is the first time I've, I've experienced this. But when I did that, what I was saying was saying, man, I really, really love you. I mean, you're a bro. And I care so much about you. And this is just one way of conveying that. And it mattered more that it was a used shirt off of my body because it's nice and warm versus me having gone to Macy's and bought him a packaged shirt. That wouldn't have meant as much. And what I was trying to do was demonstrate visibly what I was feeling internally. And every time I see him put a Facebook post and I see my, my shirt, I always feel like I'm kind of there. It's kind of weird. When Jonathan takes his armor and his sword and his bow off of his body and puts them on David, this is Jonathan expressing visibly what he was feeling internally. In ancient times, swapping armor was a symbolic token of bonding. And we see this in Greek mythology and Homer's tales. And that's what's taking place here. But it's much more than that. Because in addition to the armor and sword, Jonathan places his robe on David. This was a huge gesture. This is symbolic of Jonathan's willingness to hand the kingdom over to David. As a son of King Saul and the rightful heir to the kingdom of Israel, Jonathan here is symbolically handing over the kingdom. He's elevating a shepherd boy to the status of a king. He's making David a co-heir. This is a ridiculous gesture, a radical display of commitment and generosity, willing to share what was exclusively his with his friend. Question. Does Jonathan and what he's doing here remind you of anybody from the New Testament? In Colossians 3, Paul tells us that we've been raised with Christ and that we've been seated at the right hand of God. Jesus makes us co-heirs of his kingdom. He puts his robe of righteousness upon us and he elevates us and tells us to take a seat at the throne. And he gives us the unimaginable promise that everything that was exclusively his is now ours. But not only does Jesus promise us his kingdom, he promises us himself. He eternally knits his soul to ours. This friendship ceremony that my friend Sang and I experienced in the living room happened at the cross with us and Jesus. This friendship between Jonathan and David is meant to point us to an even better friendship. The friendship between us and Jesus. Jesus is willing to lay down his rights, his privileges, and his very life to knit his soul to ours. His commitment is unbreakable and eternal. 
and invites us to live and die for the things that he lived and died for, to share his passion. And as all of us pursue the call of ministry, he invites us to the deepest joy of knowing him. In 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26, as David is grieving over the death of his best friend, Jonathan, he says this, Jonathan lay slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of woman. And the word that's used for extraordinary is the same Hebrew word that's used in other places in the Old Testament to describe a miracle. David is describing the love of Jonathan as a miraculous kind of love, a love like any other, unlike any other. And my encouragement for all of you is to revel in this miraculous kind of friendship and love that Jesus gives, because that's the only place where you will find true and ultimate friendship, but at the same time, pursue it with good friends, as imperfect as it will be, because it's one of the most important gifts that you can have to sustain you in ministry. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning to be reminded from your word. God, our need for friends in this journey in pastoral ministry, Father, where we see so many people stumbling and falling, God, apart from you and the strength that you give and the friends that you give, Father, we are weak. But thank you again for reminding us to even a better friendship, a friendship with you, Jesus. Father, for all of us here, busy with Greek and Hebrew and classes and reading and writing papers, Father, help us all to carve out that time that we all need to be in your presence, to be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Copyright 2018, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.